I'm talking about. Yeah. Especially for the music and the entertainment, but uh, now uh, today's podcast. Look, I don't want to throw something out on the table because it seems like one of the questions that I get hit up with most from family and friends is there is is there any hope? Right. Is there any hope? In fact, sad story. I'm gonna just throw out here real quick. I was talking to a couple the other day that an adult son living with him that's an alcoholic. And they had really good boundaries in their home. And they finally, they said, look, we love you, but you can't be here because you're choosing to continue to drink. And it creates a terrible environment in the home and have grandkids and all these things. And so uh, their son left. And a few days later, he was found dead. And so they came in and, and I'm talking to the mom and the dad. And, uh, you know, in those situations, it's like, is there any hope? You know, because in their eyes, you know, it was hopeless and they lost him. Right. And, and sometimes we forget that this addiction is a life-threatening disease. Absolutely. And it takes people every day. And so it's a scary thing and it's an it's a important question to ask and it's important to put out there. And so I've invited these two guests with us because... They're my poster boys or poster children of hope <laughs> in recovery. And we just, uh, we're going to ask a few questions. And, and I'm asking you right now personally, Jay, is there hope? Absolutely. 100% there's hope. 
Okay. Where'd you come from? From originally where I live. No, no, you know. <laughs> Are you talking about? You, what do you mean? So we're talking about addiction, Start right? Because you come walking in the doors. Yes. Okay. And 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 you were, whew, low. Whew. You were using heroin. Mm-hmm. You were losing everything. Yes. Absolutely. Right. Yep. And you, and truthfully, you came from a place of, hey, is there any hope? Yeah, I had no idea. I didn't know what what I was going to do. Um, there was no answers at that point, you know. Um, the feeling of what you described as impending doom, just stepping through this front door that that day was like the beginning of that because I'm 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 scared. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I'm headed. I don't know how this is gonna work. I sit in your office here, and I'm like. I've never done this before. I've never talked to anybody about these kind of feelings, especially not this content. So where do I start? Well, I tell you about everything in my life and I'm just in tears the entire time. And this is awful and this is awful and blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, I think you told me, you're like, yeah, you're, you're pretty screwed. You're screwed. <laughs> but there's hope. <laughs> you're screwed. You're, in, the, in the situation, so we need to get you First off is the first thing is obviously taking this step today, right? Sitting down, talking with with me, with the counselor, and um, and uh, and then you know next is obviously you know you've spoken to the doctor, have the medication that you're gonna need to press forward so we can start to uh, you know live a, a fulfilling life down the road, um, and uh, you know we'll, we'll go from there, and I think. The thing I started saying to you that the phrase was like, yeah, I guess we'll just chip away at these walls. Yeah. I had a lot of walls, a lot of things built up and um, just emotional turmoils and things that had had hurt me um, emotionally and 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 and, uh, and mentally and had me in this, this dark place. And well, what the opiates did for me was take me away from that dark place. Yeah. It, at least it felt that way for a little while. And then after a while, you're just trying to not be sick, like we talked about, you know. Yeah. But um, we'll get more into that later. Yeah. Anyway, so. so I've I got some mm-hmm. questions. Absolutely. Right. Please, so, please. We talk about hope. When I think about hope, I think about the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I would really like to hear more about the tunnel. Oof. Pre-light. Um, mm. <laughs> I... I, I can't imagine. Yeah. Like, I, I honestly can't imagine what that was. I, and I'm, I'm curious about it. I think a lot of people would like to hear where you were. Mm-hmm. Let me throw something out yeah. that's really interesting about today and what we're doing right now. Because it was kind of a surprise that we're doing this. True. Having both Jay and Mac here because Mac has been in recovery now for three years. Yeah, just a little bit over there. A little bit over three years. And it so happens that Mac was the person that had reached out to Jay and said, hey, there's a better way. And so to have you two sitting here together right now is, is just amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I look at it as I think, you know, this is the evidence yeah. of God in our Absolutely. lives, right? Yes. 100%. So, so going back to the question Carson asked, yeah. the tunnel. The tunnel. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I would... <laughs> How, 
how was that? What was life like? Where were you mentally, emotionally, if you, if you wanted to share? And yeah, then, yes. And then how, what was, uh, what I'm trying to get to is where was rock bottom for you to be able to listen to Mac when he said, hey, <laughs> yeah, um, well, a series of events, and also it was the just man, hiding this, hiding this from my family, um, functioning at it, you know what I mean? Hiding from family and from friends who didn't know, um, mm. and it just kept weighing and weighing on me, and you could see it in my face. I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired of driving you know, some odd miles, you know, 20, 25 minutes and then waiting for hours at some location in a parking lot or whatever. I mean, it was, it was like that. It was grimy. And it was like, I'm just, I'm tired of this. And, um, you know, when Matt came around and said, hey, there's there's a better way. And there's a reason why I've, I've been working on myself, man. I've been working on myself and Dude, I love you so much. We listened to some beautiful music and tears flowed from my face for the first time in a long time since I've been numbing myself to a lot of those to a lot of those emotions. And I still was, but I think just music in general for me brought that out. And um and that's kind of when it clicked for me. And I went, oh man, yeah. This needs to happen. This needs to happen. And uh it's like, hey man, um, yeah. I'm ready. He's like, bro, you look tired. You just look tired. And mm-hmm. that's the best way to describe it. You are just, you're tired. You're tired of yourself because you hate yourself in a sense where you're not good enough. You're not good enough for anybody. And you're especially not good enough for yourself. So you're literally, you're in this pit of darkness and despair. And you try to put this mask on. And that mask is, it works. It works for some people. But for those who really know you, you can't have that. You can't hide that for long. You know, you can't hide that. And so that dark place, um, I'm so I'm so happy that, that he uh, introduced me to Dave. Uh, at least all he did was actually leave the breadcrumbs. He didn't even bring me in formally and say, hey, this is so-and-so and this is so-and-so. It was like, hey, here, here's the phone number. When you're ready, make that call. Well, we're sitting in the car together, and I, I went ahead and made that call. The office happened to be closed that day um, on a holiday or something, and uh, I left a message, my name and number, and they got back to me uh, the next week, that mon- the next Monday, and said, hey, yeah, we can get you in on Wednesday or something. So I had some time that I had to oof, fend off some demons, um, which you know I still dined with at the time because I was like, well, I don't want to get sick. Right. That was, I don't want to get sick, but that's, that's it. I just don't want to get sick. And, um, and then I got here and, and it, uh, that's when we got to start working before that. Nothing could be, it was all stalemate. I'm stuck here. Plateau. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm not getting high per se anymore. I'm just maintaining where I'm at and so I can function so I can go to work uh, take care of my family whatever I needed to do um, I could at least function and then maybe help me go to sleep at the end of the night and that was life you know no way to live 
so coming here and having Dave talk to me about these things was just a huge, huge relief. But it took time for that relief to to set in. I, I mean, I was very grateful my first session, yeah. but it was more that it was it was the consistency thereafter um, of seeing him and then seeing the doctor as well, just to keep up on medication, see if right. we're doing okay. Well, so, I'm talking about medications, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, both you and Mac went through this to transition off of heroin to go to mm-hmm. uh, buprenorphine or Suboxone or Subutex. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, like I've mentioned before, one of my, my biggest frustrations is the stigma that buprenorphine or Suboxone or Subutex has out there. Mm-hmm. But I've watched both of you go through this, you know, transition from opiates, from heroin to buprenorphine and then off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because if a, if a parent's asking, is there hope? I mean, this is hope. Yeah. This, this is, is what it. you did. Totally. Right? Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. And how was it? Getting on it, getting off of it, all that. You want to tell them your, 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 your <laughs> story now. first? Yeah, yeah sure. Well, I mean, I think it all starts with the tunnel because the tunnel is, I think, where you gain your perspective on anything after that. Like, the tunnel is, with, as, an, as a recovered addict and as constantly in recovery, the tunnel is something that, like, it. it's my, like, it's my measuring point. For anything, mm-hmm. any like mm-hmm. struggle, any heartbreak, any like any any strain in my life, that that tunnel is, and that's the, exactly the biggest part of it. Is the tunnel is, it's a tunnel for a reason. It's it's all, it it's, it's not a place you go voluntarily. Yeah. It's, and that's the misconception is like people think that it's a choice. And if you if you knew what the tunnel was, I don't think anybody in their right mind would choose to be in the tunnel. It's it's lonely. Um, we got into it around the same time and yeah. it didn't matter who was doing quote unquote better at the time. It was it still matter. a tunnel. It we was kind like, of walking down that tunnel yeah, together. One you know, in a way. Go together and pick up together and we would yeah. use together. And there were moments of clarity where it was like, this is my little bro <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not helping him. Like when we do this or like we would be in, in different States together, living in a different state. And there was still like, like a lack of truthfulness on like how much the other one was using. Cause it was like a ploy <laughs> to protect each other also to conserve a little bit more for yourself. Yes. But also like, there's just so many lies and games that go into it. Uh-huh. You can think that you love somebody that you're using with, but it's pure survival at yeah. that point. Yeah. Like had there been one more on the table, it would have been a, a, a delegation like so okay so how are we going to split how this? are we going to split this and yeah. instead of being like how are we going to get right that's the tunnel yeah, yeah. it's it, it blurs everything outside of it so getting my dad found me some help because finally my low point was uh my one my, my best friend uh his dad passed away and i know him since i was a kid using at the time so i I fly to another state to go bury like this second dad of mine I'm there. And I don't realize, and now I'm ripped, you know, everything in, in, in retrospect, it's like, okay, yeah, I see what I did. But I got enough of what I needed. Got it on the plane, get it over there. I don't realize I'm, I am suffering for the loss of this second father. So I'm taking a little bit more each night to deal with it. I'm in the bathroom at my friend's grieving family's house. Yeah retrospect i'm just like gross right but in the moment it was like i'm here and I'm, I'm they're not worried about me protect them from knowing that i'm suffering 
got through it. But then as I'm going through, I'm starting to realize that my stash is getting smaller and smaller. And I have to go to New Orleans for a gig the next night. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, well, get to the bottom a little bit. I have two days left. And we go to Site C in the city that he's in. So we go to the city and there's all these amazing sites. And I just remember feeling like I had been hit with just a wall of bricks. I had no energy. I wanted to be there, but I couldn't. And I'm putting on a face for it. We're trying to eat and I'm trying to eat the food and I, I don't want to eat, right? Like I'm, I'm starting to feel all the withdrawal on set, right? It's just, it's hitting hard. And so we get the next morning after we bury his father and... At that point, I'm like, all right, you're about to go into withdrawal. We have like three more days. How are we going to do this? And I've been through the withdrawal thing a couple of times, but I was like, all right, like at this point, I was tired. Just like he said earlier, like you finally reach a point where you're just tired. And it's like, yeah, I'm tired, but am I tired enough to put in the work for what lies ahead? Because it really is the fight for your life. That's, that's the best way I can put it is it's the scariest thing because you don't realize in the moment that you're incapable of realizing in the moment that there is hope. That's the hardest thing with the word hope. It's almost like a curse, right? Because yeah. tell somebody who's going through something, but there's hope and they're going to want to punch you in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously, huh? Right? Like, the way I feel. Dude, what? Like, yeah. That's the way it feels. There's yeah. hope right now. I, 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 can't, I, I, can't, I can't use the bathroom correctly. I, my body's not right. Um, everybody thinks I'm lying. My family's starting to pick up on stuff. I remember my mom found some stuff and called me while I was in the bathroom using and I was so out of myself but i literally was like mom i can't talk about this right now and hung up on her and kept using mm. so the next night i get to to, to this to new orleans and i'm sick and i finally call talk to my mom on the phone i say you're right this is what's been going on you haven't been wrong about it all i need help and my dad left his job with the clothes on his back got on a flight to new orleans and met me there and stayed with me in the hotel stayed off the side of the stage while i was puking got me to the hotel Flew me back, went to the University of Utah the first day of the hospital. And that was, to me, if, I, if you were to ask me one moment that was my low, it was laying in that bed at the U. And the room was just, it was naked. It was just brick, like kind of like the concrete wall. And I'm laying in this bed and like my, both my parents are sitting there. And I'll never forget this, this guy comes over and he's talking to me and he goes, buddy, I'm crying. I'm just freaking out. I'm so sorry. I feel embarrassed in it this point I'm clicking back into Mac and this guy comes over and he's like, he kind of just kind of puts his hand on my shoulder. And he's like, buddy, I, I, like, it's okay. The stuff that you were taking is what in the UK they give to people who are dying from terminal cancer. So right now your body's just trying to adjust. And then when he said that, it was like, whoa, like what? Sheesh. I didn't even know that this is where I was at. And I remember them being like, your parents are here. Do you know how lucky you are that both your parents are here right now? And they're, my parents are having their own way of dealing mom's frustrated dad's embarrassed because he's been kind of keeping the secret from her too he knew but it wasn't to the extent that you know i had told him and uh yeah just being at that moment there there was no hope at all so my dad makes a call to a couple places and he hears about new amc and he's like i think there's a place we need to go but i had one more gig to go do before I could get an appointment on Monday because I think it was like a Friday when I got in, so they were closed. And so I was like, I, I told my parents, uh, yeah, no, I'll be okay. I'm not going to use. Get to the airport for the gig. I knew I had a late, I, I looked at the flights. And there was a later flight. And I just didn't want to be sick because now this, this band's been with me through all of this for so long that they know I'm going to get help. 
they know I've been to the hospital, but I'm like, I can't show up sick and not do this show or else I'm going to be done with this band. So I called my guy and I caught an Uber and met him and got just enough to get me through the night. Wasn't high, just wasn't sick. In fact, I remember that night after the show was over, I got back to the hotel room, took just enough for me to not get sick and I flushed the rest on the toilet. And that was like my one moment where I was like, this is, this is it. So flushed it, got sick again the next day, got one more day to go, came back and the same experience as Jay was, all of a sudden I'm, I'm that guy that we've all talked about. I'm that guy that I've <laughs> judged so many times and I'm walking into this office and I have this beautiful life, been raised by amazing parents, been raised in faith. And now here I am. And I remember talking to Dave too. And I come in and I see a guitar there. And that was the saving grace for me. It was like, <laughs> don't know this guy. Big old white man. We're in Utah. Is he going to think I'm just this junkie? Oh, whatever. I just remember sitting there. And Dave gives one of those big breaths. And he's just like, and then immediately just <laughs> oh, oh there you go. So yep. that's if the tunnel if that's if that's what you want to hear, yeah, that's the tunnel. Is I can't explain it to you, but it's it's like putting a big thing of saran wrap over yourself and or like being depressed in like the worst moment you've ever had. You can imagine it. Go to the worst place you've ever been in your life, but go in that closet, close the door, and we can only talk to you through the walls. He can only talk to you through the wall. Your mom can. Mm-hmm. You're married. That's your wife. The people that you love the most, your dog, the things that give you joy, they can't get through the wall. And they're telling you, it's going to be okay, though. Eventually, you're going to open the door. And you're like, you guys, shut up. Yeah, I want the door <laughs> open right now. Yeah. And nobody can do anything for you. Yeah. That's And when you finally turn that leaf over, it's like, I guess that's, there's always hope. But it, the question is, are you capable of seeing it at the moment? I think we are 100% incapable of experiencing hope at moments. It's yeah. it's a fool's game to think that you can tell anybody there's hope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Star Wars, a new hope. <laughs> hope didn't yeah. die, but yeah. obviously it was new all of a sudden. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so both of you have been in recovery now. In recovery, I'm going to just say sobriety sucks. Sobriety is when you quit using something and... You're holding on by your fingernails, right? <laughs> Recovery, on the other hand, is to be sober and change the way you've lived your lives, or the way you live your lives, right? And so both of you are, are really, truly in recovery, right? So some of the ups and downs of, of being, in, being on this path, being in recovery, right? Because the hope says, well, can we, can we maintain recovery? Can you stay there? And, and evidence is saying that you guys have you know, maintain recovery for a good period of time, right? So there's some of the ups and downs on that road that families shouldn't get too overly excited about as you go on walking this path, <laughs> right? Because families, every time you do something, they're going to freak out, mm-hmm. right? Right, and so, yeah. but what, what are some of those things? So the ups and downs, do you, do you want it from like the perspective of the one recovering or just in, in general? From you. Okay, from me. Um, when you are in <laughs> when you are in recovery, you, patience. Patience and, and understanding is something that it's, I feel like almost everybody, everybody who's in recovery, I feel like it's number one, you're, you're being blessed to be in recovery is the number one thing. Like 
And I, we buried people to it. We had a friend that died who sat with us in a car and told us, you guys need to stop this. And we buried her months later. Mm-hmm. Um, she was clean. She just got her chip for being clean for like 100 and 170 days or something like that. Yeah, she just got her chip. So it was like, you, we didn't, we buried people to it. We buried one of our, one of our childhood best friends, not even a year ago. Um, who it seemed like was on the right path, but it's like there's a toll you pay, so your body can't make it through everything. Yeah. So um, that's the thing is like hope and people are always going to wonder, but that's kind of the cool price about it. It's like this badge <laughs> of honor. It's like, hey man, it is good. It's like you have to remind them that you have bad days still. Mm-hmm. Like right. just because I'm recovered doesn't mean, mean that just because it's a bad day, you have to worry that I'm going to relapse. Yeah. And Jalen values and ups and downs. Um, man. Yeah, Mac, he covered, he covered a good amount of it, I'd, I'd say. But, uh, yeah, like he said, there's still going to be bad days. And um, pushing through those those bad days, those days where life happens, the, the life we tried to muffle out, um, you know, you're going to... You, you're gonna have to deal with that, and and it sucks. It it sucks. It sucks being sober like that, yeah. like realizing that. And so, then on the flip side, there's days where you're like, oh my gosh, you know, maybe you cut down your your dose of suboxone, right? Those were always cool days for us mm-hmm. to share with one another, to share with you, Dave, you know, and, and to share with the doctor here. Um, and uh, so those were always like. Hoorah, like, yay, those are good days. I shared that with, with my mom, um, with my family. I finally, if you want to talk about, you know, the tunnel, well, towards, quote, unquote, the end of my tunnel, the last thing I needed to do, or one of the last things I needed to do was to open up about this, what I had been going through um, mentally and emotionally, and what I was doing to deal with those those mental and emotional problems. Um and, uh, and and be open, you know, to my mom about it first, because that was the person I felt most comfortable to talk about it first with. Um, and then, you know, my dad and the rest of my family, like, hey, I I have been struggling with opiate use for, uh, say, at the time, like, wow, yeah, about four years on and off, um, but really, really bad for the last year um, of that of that three four years. Um, span and uh and she didn't she didn't know she had no idea she knew that mac took me in for a night or two you know and that i was going to be staying over there and uh, she knew though that i was going through something she couldn't quite fathom quite understand and like he said you know growing up with uh great parents great family growing up in, you know growing up in faith um we have all these beautiful things and beautiful people around us um telling her that was like oh my gosh it was it was heartbreaking in a way but it was such a relief and sitting there crying with her about like this is what i've been going through and these are the reasons why i'm going through this custody stuff i'm going through you know previous relationship things and also um some other entrepreneur things that i was like just stressing on and I was worried and I felt like I wasn't good enough for me 
And to talk to my mom and say, hey, I've been dealing with this. This is why I'm always in my room. This is why I don't want to be around family. This is why I don't want to be around friends for the most part, besides Mac. He's the only friend that really come by, right? Because we're using together. Um, this is why I have been the way I've been. I've been extremely depressed, but this depression has been compounded by this use of now what was a occasional, you know, little pill that I would take on a weekend or maybe when I'm in the studio making music and I'm feeling some type of way, right? Feeling like, oh yeah, I'll go ahead and just take this. And at that point back then, yeah, sure, I was getting, I was getting a little high, of course. So it was fun to know. Now it's like, this has become a burden and this is weighing on me. But to tell her that and say, I've been using heroin for this period of time, for doesn't matter, however long, you know, and at the time I think it was probably six months to a year, somewhere around there. And that's what I've been going through, mom. And she just gave me the biggest hug and told her, you know, she told me that she loved me and that she's there for me, whatever she can do to help. And I talked to her and kind of explained to her the program that I'm, 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 I'm still in through recovery now, but you know, that's a tough thing to, for those who have never been through, um, an addiction or, or recovery of any sort, doesn't matter what, what kind of addiction it is, but she didn't understand that side of, of things. Um, but she was willing and open to understanding that. And over time I was able to also divulge that information of what I've been going through to other family members like my dad and to, um, you know, some of my sisters and, and stuff. And, uh, now, a matter of fact, when I even speak with my daughter, I I don't tell her, obviously, this gruesome, right, like, dad was doing this, you know, this really bad thing. But I, I tell her, yeah, your dad was sick for this period of time, a couple of years, however long it really felt like. And so when I did finally make that decision and get the help and start the recovery, I mean, Mac here saw it immediately. My eyes, colors are brighter. It literally was brighter. It was, the grass was greener on the other side. And so those are those ups that you have. And I got to tell you, it's, yes, we do have crappy days. We have crappy months. We have crappy weeks. Everybody, we all deal with life things, but we are handling them now. Face well, actually, off, you know, what I wanted to ask you too. Because I know that personally, each one of you have gone through some very emotional things of late. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Because life keeps going. It does. In recovery or using, life keeps mm-hmm. on going. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference in dealing with life now compared to when you're using, right? Yeah. <sighs> Huge. Huge. Yeah. Because then. Right when we, we right now, I'm pretty sure with what both of us have, have been going through, even over the past couple of weeks, month, whatever. Uh, that that's a easy. That's a easy. Oh yeah, let's call our guy. Yeah. yeah and no, and no shame about it either. It's like no, we'll call our guy if we weren't here, right? If we weren't in recovery, mm-hmm. right? If if this had continued to go, it's like oh yeah, like we would have already, I already had, had the stuff. I would already already made that draft for him, right? While he's uh, doing something else or whatever, and. 
or he would have done the same thing for me. So there's there's these yeah. these cool like moments, and you're not able to even really appreciate it in the moment. But just going through stuff here recently, I just you know been going through a big change in life, and I texted uh, Jay and was like, "Oh, here's what just happened," and so cool to like think back on one of the first thing he says is how are you feeling are you craving that's the difference between now and then back then it wasn't are you craving it was so we're picking up right yeah now, so should i come your vocabulary come changes yeah um, the first call i made was today and was like hey i need i need to get in first was gonna be a phone call i was like not a need to see you in person mm-hmm. i need to get myself grounded not because i fear that I'm going to relapse, but because I respect my process, like, like yeah, she can't, mm-hmm. it's, it's this, it's this, it's this demon, right? And you can't kill a demon. It's up to God, but there are demons all around us, just like there are angels all around us. So you, you get stuck with this demon. And the only thing that I think that both of us have done, anybody who struggles with any addiction or insecurity is all you do is put the chain on the demon and you find a place to put it. You still have to feed it every now and then because the demon's not going anywhere. You still have to respect that it's there. You have to honor that it's there. You have to communicate with it. Mm. But what you don't do is you don't let that chain off the demon. You're the only one with the key. So now instead of picking up or isolating, I call my parents first. And it's boosted my relationship with both of my parents. It's because now, you know, of course they're scared that I'm going to relapse if I go through a, a horrible week or if something huge changes in my life. Of course, that's the first thing, as they should. That's good parenting. That's love, right? Like <laughs> if I know somebody has an alcohol problem and they get their heart broken, the first thing I'm going to do is go check on them and put the bottles away. And it's not because I'm trying to hurt them from something. It's because I, I know that as a good friend or supporter or anybody in an addict's life, and your podcast is loving an addict, it's, it's a full-time job. Mm. It's You have to learn how to love an addict. And you have to learn how to have boundaries with an addict. And so for him to send me that text and be like, where are we at? I remember you saying something along the lines of just, no, I wouldn't, I'm not judging you. If you, if you were at that point, you said you wanted to go somewhere, I would just ask to be in that car with you on the way there. So we could talk the whole way there. And it's small stuff like that. That for me is like, that's the difference between using and not using is now we're aware and awareness is a beautiful thing. And it's a curse because, (laughs) but when you want to be a victim and you want to be like, no, this is so horrible. How is this Mm -hmm. happening to me? You know what your options are. I can go and get something that I know only makes it all worse, or I can just muscle up and deal with this horrible pain each day for a little bit. It's the same thing I'd say with people recovering from suboxone, buprenorphine, and all that is. It's are you willing to put in just a couple weeks of, of hell? Yeah. It's gonna be hell, yeah. and nobody can get you out of it. But if you can give me two, three weeks of this initial. And then we, by that point, we're going to be thinking with a different mind. We can leave this thing behind. And that goes for any other, I think, human experience. I agree. I'm blown away. Yeah. Um, every time that I've had a question, one of you has answered it. But I mean, like my last question, the last one was, how do you, what is the difference between holding the line and not? Yeah. You're always yeah. holding the line, my friend. You're yeah. holding the line you, you in some really way, are. right? Like there right. has to be yeah. something you're holding the line on. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that 
we can all choose to be the lesser of our However, own. we have this support. We have these we have yeah. these others in our corner now that are aware of what we've gone through and where our situation like like Dave here, like our folks and friends like my brother right here, you know, um, that will help hold that line so we don't cross that line, right? And I think that it's, it's such, in the words of Dave, it is a sweet experience. <laughs> it truly is. It really is. And I love that phrase because that really, that's how it feels. It is a sweet, sweet experience to know that you have that much love. And you don't realize that when you are going through the addiction, you don't realize that you, the one thing is, is that one thing. It's the thing, right? That thing, that thing that takes you away from all the, uh, the, all the emotional pains and, uh, and, uh, that's it. But now we can fortify ourselves with not only like family, our, our, Beloved counselor, therapist, right? But love also, right? <laughs> beloved, our beloved. Because I love you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you can also um, let your let other friends in on these things. Maybe friends that weren't quite aware of these situations. And I've even come to even letting others know, like that I I work with uh, in like I, I'm a barber uh, by trade and. Uh, also a musician and singer, rapper, right, with uh, Mac uh, in another a separate group. Um, however, I've also talked to clients that I'm cutting their hair, like, and maybe they have a family member or a friend who's going through some some of these things that we've all just spoken about, right, or things you've gone over in previous podcasts, whether it's addiction, um, uh, of any sort, and I'll, I'll I'll let them know. I'm, I'm extremely transparent. You can ask me anything. I'm extremely transparent. So I, I said, well, yeah, I was I was addicted. Yeah, I was I was addicted to opiate, opiates, and I'm I'm uh, in recovery. I've been in recovery for a few years now, and oh my gosh, it's it's a beautiful thing. And uh, they're like, really, you know, you you don't seem like the kind of guy. You know, those are the kind of guys that are the ones that are going through it. Am I right? Yeah, those are the kind of guys that. You might not think are, but they are. And so fortifying myself, myself with um, letting others kind of know, make help them be aware. And on top of that, sending this podcast to anyone who's willing to listen. Because uh, I, every time I listen to one of you guys' sessions, it brings me back to a moment in time where I was sitting having these, having these exact same <laughs> questions with, with Dave right here, right? And... Um, and it's awesome because I'm like, it, it just it reiterates why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, it, it again, fortifies that. So, you know, it's really interesting. We started off talking about is there hope? And we kind of talked about hope kind of being a dirty word. Right? <laughs> I mean, it went, it went in a direction I didn't know it was going to go. Hope being that old crap thing. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, as we've been listening and as you've been talking, uh, I think one of the things that, you know, I feel as I'm sitting here is I feel hopeful mm-hmm. as I listen to your experiences, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel this feeling of, of can do, is being done, mm-hmm. and that it's significant to you. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. And that you do have hope. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It's huge. And and likewise, I'd say your families have hope too, mm-hmm. knowing knowing your families a little bit. Yeah. Where they've had to come from and where they are. That they have hope. They've only gotten closer. Yeah. It's a beautiful it's, thing, right? It like, is. Like you were just to make the first thing you had said about that the, the, the sad story that you had. I guess like you were saying, like for them right now, there's not hope, right? But then I caught on to something you said earlier about them saying that they set a boundary because there's grandchildren and there's there's more family involved, which is why they had to put a boundary down. And like how annoying it is to be aware that, that that's hope. Right, like, right. We're, I'm not hopeful yeah. right yeah. now, but like, there's addiction that runs in my family on both sides. And one of my cousins, who's uh, a mentor to me, a spiritual advisor to me, I remember when I finally came. He's one of the only people I came clean about it to, and he just told me, "He's like, you can be the one to break the cycle." And I remember at the time, it meant, it meant nothing, right? But then you break the cycle, and I've buried uncles and aunts to it, cousins to it, and now I'm sitting here on the other side of it, like, dude, Matt, good job. <laughs> dude wow that's the hope is that they he didn't die for nothing right he died yeah. he died because of an illness that is so prevalent in our society and in our world and, and it's, it's it's so like stigmatized and everybody looks at it in this way where it's like keep him away with a stick yeah bring him closer yeah bring them you made a boundary and Jesus. and your son made a choice and i'm so sorry for the loss but he's not gone in my opinion right, right. like mm-hmm. in fact you have to tell this story because if there's grandchildren involved you got more things to continue hoping for and loving for. And unless you want to repeat the cycle again, it's not up to you, but you can lay groundwork so that they know yes. uncle so-and-so or my dad or whoever it is for us, his daughter is mm-hmm. my, like my goddaughter. I, I consider her my own. Absolutely. And we're telling him how cool is it that you got through this stuff? Cause now you have the power to tell her she didn't have to watch. She didn't know what was going on. You got yourself to a good place so that when it comes time for her to have that conversation, dad, my friend's on drugs, you have the power over this thing to use it as a beautiful thing instead of her being like, my dad used to not be around because of this and that. Like, no, that's amazing. That's the way to own your recovery. Like, mm-hmm. make it your tool. Mm-hmm. Get it by the chain and bring it out, show the family, and then put it right back on the dungeon. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that's, that's, it really has. Now it's, it, it's become a tool and, you know, my daughter getting older, these types of questions are definitely going to be coming up in the, in the near future, unfortunately. <laughs> in the near future. And so, yeah, I, I think also just laying those little breadcrumbs like, hey, yeah, your dad was sick. Dad was really sad. You remember when daddy was really, really sad for a long time? It seemed like it was a long time. Yeah, daddy was still around, of course. Like, you're my little baby. You're my my princess of course i'm always going to take care of you um but daddy was sick and daddy was really sad at that time and you knew it she pointed out that i have a couple of recordings on my phone where she's like daddy you seem daddy's sad i'm like well why do you say that and she's probably two or three years old at this point three probably and she's like well i just know that so-and-so makes you sad and the Things she said, you know, says about you, and because she said this or that, and it, yeah, and it, of course, broke my heart and hearing those things, and um, but now she's like, you know, this blossoming little flower, and yeah, I, I had to be sad for a while so I could be this happy, mm-hmm. so she could be this happy, 
so my family and my friends could be this happy. Well, actually, this is a great place to leave it, I think, tonight. I am just so incredibly grateful for you. I hope you guys know how much I love you. We do. I love you too. Likewise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we started this off before we were recording. <laughs> we're, we're all brothers. Yes. yes. We are brothers. Nice we're to meet you, brother. Yes. Mac walked in and said, oh, I, did, I don't know if you know, but I'm your brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same goes with me, man. Yeah. Same goes with me. Oh, Dave, your brother. Dave yeah. is another father. Matter of fact, that's how Matt described him to me yeah. before I had met Dave was he's like another father figure. And I came in, and oh my gosh, that's exactly what he became. You're a very fortunate exactly man. Exactly what he became. Uh, no, I'm sorry, you got to show your dad. We're all fortunate. <laughs> Welcome to the family. <laughs> Thank you. We're going to call it there. Thank you for listening to the Surviving Loving an Attic podcast. There's absolutely hope. Absolutely. Yeah. I like that. I'm going under Can't see the sun no more Just hear the thunder mm. Say, Lord, is the hope Cause I can't hear nothing but pain But I know there's hope Anytime I scream your name Say, Lord, throw me the rope